0: Dear brothers and sisters, it's so good to be with you today. James chapter 1, verse 17 says, all good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from our Father in heaven. I don't know if you know that our Father wants to bless you today. He wants to give you good gifts. All He asks us to do is to draw near to Him with outstretched arm, longing for Him, longing for his blessing in your life. It is my prayer and the prayer of all at the Biblical Seminary of the Philippines, our faculty, our staff and students, that God will bless you today. May God fill you with his love, his, his joy, with his peace as we draw near to him today. As we come to God's word, would you turn your Bibles with me to Leviticus chapter 10. And as you turn your scripture there and ready to follow me, would you join me in a word of prayer? Our Father in heaven, thank you that you are a God who loves us so much. In fact, you want to pour out your blessing on each one of us so that we may have all that we need to live and to do your will. Let it be, O God, today as we set our hearts upon you. Bless us now, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Two weeks ago, during his weekly televised address, President Rodrigo Duterte dismissed Philippine Ambassador to Brazil, Marichu Mauro, from civil service. The ambassador was found to have abused her household helper. CCTV footage showed this high-ranking diplomat striking her 51-year-old helper by grabbing her by the hair, by the ear, on at least four occasions. Now, Mauro is disqualified from holding any public office. She can never enter government service ever. Also, she forfeits all her retirement benefits. President Duterte went on to say, quote, there are rules to be followed. If you disobey, you take the risk. If something goes wrong, it's going to hit you. Close quote. There are consequences when we disobey. And we must learn well to obey. As we continue our study from the book of Leviticus, we come to this important truth. From chapters 1 all the way to chapter 9, God laid out how Israel was to maintain a life of holiness. But tragedy happened in chapter 10. The two sons of Aaron serving as priests, spiritual leaders of God's people, they disobeyed. For this reason, both of them were struck dead. This morning, let us learn three life-saving lessons on when God tells us, when God says to us, don't. Would you turn your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 10? Let me begin by reading verses 1 to 3. It begins with these words. Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Verse 3. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Here's the first life-saving lesson we need to learn. When God says to us, don't, He's reminding us that He is God. Let me say that one more time. When God says to us, don't, when He says no, He's reminding us that He is God. Leviticus chapter 10 marks the first official day that Israel was to practice all that God had commanded them from Leviticus chapter 1 all the way to chapter 9. But Nadab and Abihu, sons of Aaron, the high priest, disobeyed. Their offense is described in verse 1 as offering unauthorized fire. That word unauthorized in Hebrew is translated, is the word for strange. They offered up strange fire. It is fire that is foreign, that is different. And as stated later on, not commanded by God, therefore, is unacceptable. They, to, to burn incense, and, and you may say, well, how is it to be so? You see, to burn incense, the priest is commanded to use fire taken from the brazen altar to which they would light up their in- the incense, apparently, Nadab and Abihu did not do that. Therefore, God rejected that act that they have done. But there's more to this offensive act that they have done. If you look at Exodus chapter 30, it tells us that the burning of the incense was the job of their father, the high priest. That's The job of the high priest, not for any other priest. In addition, Leviticus chapter 16 tells us that this was to be done only on a specific day, on the Day of Atonement, when only the high priest was permitted to take the incense into the Holy of Holies. So, they used the wrong fire to light up the incense, They were the wrong people for the job, and they did it on the wrong day. Why? What led them to do such a thing? It is clear that Nadab and Abihu were not seeking to glorify God. For them, it was a willful act of pride. Bible teacher Warren Worsby rightly suggests Their desire, the desire of Nadab and Abihu, wasn't to sanctify or glorify the Lord, but rather it is to promote themselves and be important. In chapter 3, we believe this is what the Lord meant when he said to Aaron, I will be sanctified, I will be glorified. You see, at the heart of all the commands that God has given to the people of Israel in Leviticus, whether it be on diet or on dress or on sacrifice or any aspect of worship, is the principle that there is only one God and that all authority comes from Him and it is for Him. You see, it's all about Him. And that is the essence of holiness. God's people need to learn that they could not define, that they do not determine for themselves what is clean or unclean, what is right, what is wrong. God's people must learn that acceptable worship could not be based on whatever seems good for us. Holiness is not subject to popular vote. Neither is it for individual preference. Rather, holiness is absolutely, ultimately based on God and God alone. This is such a difficult lesson for us, isn't it? We live in a time when it's all about what we want. It's about how we feel to be right. It is about what's convenient for us. But the Bible is clear. Leviticus is clear. We obey because God says so. It's because He is God. This reminds me of a story how noted pastor and author Ray Stedman once traveled to England to speak at a conference. As the service began with singing and praise, Pastor Ray Steadman looked at the song sheet And there written was the first first song that they're going to sing. It is a chorus that most of us are familiar. It's the chorus, Our God Reigns. But as Pastor Ray looked closely at the song sheet, he began to smile. Soon he started to laugh. For written on the song sheet was a misprint of the title of the song, Instead of writing, Our God Reigns, there was one letter that was a mistake, for written is the title, Our God Resigns. Brothers and sisters, are you here to worship a God who reigns? Or, as the misprinted song sheet suggests, it is a God who resigns. I hope you would agree with me that that makes a whole lot of difference isn't it? to come to worship a God who is reigning rather than a God who had resigned, so to speak? It's a serious thing to follow a holy God. Hebrews 12:28 to 29 says, "We must offer God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. So when God says don't, when God says no, in a way He's reminding us that He, and He alone, is God. There's a second lesson. When God says don't, in reality, in actuality, He's protecting us from harm. When God says "no, don't, He's protecting us from harm, Would you look at verses 4 to 7 of Leviticus chapter 10. It goes on to say, And Moses called Mishael and el the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, Come near, carry your brothers away from the front of the sanctuary and out of the camp. So they came near and carried them in their coats out of the camp. As Moses had said, And Moses said to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithamar, his sons, "Do not let the hair of your heads hang loose. Do not tear your clothes lest you die. And wrath come upon all the congregation. But let your brothers, let the whole house of Israel bewail the burning that the Lord has kindled." verse seven. And do not go outside the entrance of the tent of meeting, lest you die. For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. After Nadab and Abihu had died, Moses commanded their uncles, Mishael and el to come and remove the bodies to take them outside for burial. This was necessary because the temple and the serving priests were not to be contaminated by death. After the removal of the corpse, Aaron and his remaining two sons, Eleazar and Ithamar, the fathers, the brothers of the deceased, were commanded not to mourn the death of their loved ones. Instead, they are to continue uninterrupted in their ministry as priests. Now, let's stop here for a second. Now, it would have been expected then as it would be now today that if you have a grieving family and relatives over a death of a loved one, that they would conduct a funeral. In the Middle East, there would have been loud wailing, beating of the breasts, tearing of clothes as a sign of grief. But not so for Aaron and his sons. They were forbidden to mourn and let alone leave the tabernacle. They were not to let anything interrupt their service to God. Now for some of us, it may seem to be an uncaring and even unreasonable command. For Aaron and his sons to hold back their sorrow, it must have been hard as they were grieving but we need to remember that Nadab and Abihu they disobeyed and they dishonored God for which they were held accountable you see the command not to mourn was critical it was an important point that God was making that not even a cherished loved one should be as important as God himself And it's important in treating God as holy. You see, if Aaron and the other priests were to mourn the deaths of Nadab and Abihu at that point, it could appear that they were not accepting the judgment of God. For people watching, it seems to them that greater sympathy for the sinner is being given rather than for the holiness of God. It appears that loyalty to family is much more important than loyalty to God. And this would have led to another judgment. So for their safety, for their well-being, Aaron and his sons must obey. Is obedience really a matter of life and death? Consider with me this incident that happened in July of 19... 76, Israeli commandos made a daring raid at an airport in Entebbe, Uganda, in which 103 Jewish hostages were freed. In less than 15 minutes, the soldiers killed all seven kidnappers and set the captives free. However, as successful as that rescue was, three of the hostages were killed. What happened was, as the commandos entered the terminal, they shouted in Hebrew, get down, get down. To which the Jewish hostages, having understood what was commanded, quickly lay down on the ground. But the kidnappers, who did not speak Hebrew, were left standing and were shot. But three of the hostages hesitated. They remained standing, Perhaps they want to see what's going on. Perhaps they wanted to help even. Perhaps they wanted to, you know, uh, take a picture, who knows, for which they were shot. Oh, had these three heeded, obeyed the soldier's command, they would have been alive and they would have been freed like the rest of the captives. In John chapter 10, verse 10, our Lord Jesus said, I have come that you may have life. You see, in obedience, in doing as God bid us to do, there is great joy, there is life. But in disobedience, there is great sorrow, there is death. When God says to us, don't! He's reminding us first that He is God. When God says, don't, He is out to protect us. He's watching out for us so that we will not be harmed. Finally, there's a third lesson we can learn from Leviticus chapter 10. When God says, don't, when He says, no, when He says, don't do it, you see, He's preparing us. To do greater things. When God says don't, He is setting us up, He is preparing us so that we can do greater things. Would you look with me at verses 8 to 11? And the Lord spoke to Aaron, saying, Drink no wine or strong drink, you or your sons with you, when you go into the tent of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. Verse 10, You are to distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean. And you are to teach the people of Israel all the statutes that the Lord has spoken to them by Moses. It should be pointed out here That as you read through the whole book of Leviticus, right here in chapter 10, is the only time that God directly spoke to Aaron. Not through Moses, not through other means. God spoke to Aaron directly. So this must be an important statement. And the fact that this passage is in the center, in the middle of this chapter, all of which indicate that this is an important message to those who are serving God. You know, those who are engaged in holy service is told not to partake of alcoholic beverages, that they are to abstain from alcohol. Some scholars suggested that it is possible, though not directly mentioned, that Nadab and Abihu perhaps were drunk when they offered the unauthorized fire earlier. And that is very likely, isn't it? We all know too well the danger, the disaster caused by drunkenness. How many lives have been lost due to those who were robbed of their ability to think and to reason properly? This is too grave a risk, especially for those who desire to serve and do the will of God. By the way, I believe this warning is not just for alcoholic beverages, but rather for all addictive substances and activities. For all of this would control one's mind. All of this will prevent us from doing that which is holy in our life, in our ministry. But the command to be mentally sound is not just so that we will not make mistakes, More importantly, this command ensures that God's service can be carried out, His calling, that one will be able to distinguish that which is holy and unholy, that one is able to teach the people of Israel. All of us know that it is certain that someone who is under the influence of alcohol would be impaired to make distinctions accurately, that they will be unable to teach correctly. God's servant must always be sober. They must be alert. They must be ready so that they can do the greater things that God has given them both in worship and in leadership of His people. What happens to those who disobey? What happens to those whose desire is not to sanctify or to glorify the Lord. Instead, they want to promote themselves and do that which they think is important. Then they cannot distinguish that which is holy and that which is unholy. They cannot teach God's people what God had commanded them. They cannot do the greater things of God. And like Nadab and Abihu, they have offered up unauthorized fire for which God ultimately rejected and judged them. Just this week, Sarah Zacharias Davis, the chief executive officer of Ravi Zacharias International Ministry, the eldest daughter of Ravi, made this heartbreaking announcement. It reads, quote, in the wake of the sex scandal surrounding the late apologist Ravi Zacharias, his father, her father, effective immediately, we are in the process of taking down all of Ravi's teaching, all of his writing contents from our website, from all social media platforms, including publications, videos, and all other forms of content. Close quote. Due to his indiscretions, due to his past sins, all of Ravi Zacharias' teaching ministries, his resources, which he has given all his life for, will be removed. He will no longer be able to teach. This morning, I began with President Duterte's punishing an errant ambassador with perpetual disqualification and forfeiture of retirement benefits. Was it too harsh? Was the president overreacting? I think the president is right, especially with what he said that there are rules to be followed. If you disobey, you take the risk. If something goes wrong, it's going to hit you. Sounds familiar? In the same way, there might be some who look at Leviticus 10 thinking that God's judgment on Nadab and Abihu was unjustly severe. How could a good and loving God strike down Two priests just because they offered the wrong kind of sacrifice. Those who think that God's judgment is too severe do not understand the seriousness of sin. Sin destroys, it destroys not only the one who sins, but others as well. Also, when one sins, sinning becomes easier the next time around, easier for us and easier for those who see us sin and thinks that they can get away with it. Before long, sin has proliferated and many people are being hurt by it. This is why God says to us, don't. Don't do it. The answer is no. In Leviticus, God invites us to share in His holiness. In ourselves, we cannot do it. But when we trust in the redeeming work of Jesus Christ, God, through His Holy Spirit, enable us to obey and be holy as He is holy. When God says to us, don't, He's reminding us He is God. When God says, don't, He's protecting us from harm. When God says don't, He's preparing us to do greater things for Him. May God help us learn these life-saving lessons so that we may give Him all the glory and our life will be worth the living for Him. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, what serious, what critical words you have given to us through you this morning. Oh God, may we come humbly, first of all, to thank you that you have mercy on us by revealing your word in your heart, imploring us to draw near to you, even for our own good and ultimately for your glory that we may do as you bid us and live and do that which will further your plan and your purpose in our life and for those around us. Maybe heed your word. May we do it because, first of all, we love you. And it's because we want to do that which is good and right in your eyes. Help us to do just that, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.